Now, I know most of you came primarily because of the kids, and it's not for me. I, I get that. I still have a few things I'd like to say, if you'll uh, just give me. That video was from Southland Christian Church in a multi-campus uh, church in Kentucky, a very large church, and they've done a few other things. That came out in 2015. You know, kids make Christmas a lot of fun, and, and you know, she was... Uh, waving her paper in front of her mom so her mom would notice. And she said, look, Mommy, the teacher says I drew the most unusual Christmas picture she's ever seen. Um, Her mother took uh, one look, and she had to agree with the teacher. Hoping her daughter could explain the picture she had drawn, her mother asked, why are all the people riding in the back of the airplane? And her daughter replied, um, well, Mommy, that's the flight to Egypt. Well, some of you may or may not know that God warned uh, Joseph that he needed to escape. He needed to flee to Egypt, and that's what Joseph did. He took his family out of fear of what Herod would do. He went, Herod uh, attempted to kill the babies. Well, her mother continued uh, with these discovery questions, and she asked, uh, who is the mean man uh, in the front of the airplane. And um, her daughter said, well, that's Pontius, the pilot. (laughs) Then her mother observed, I see you have Mary and Joseph and the baby, but who is the large man sitting behind Mary? And she said, can't you tell mom? And she was a little disappointed. And And she said, Well, that's the round John Virgin. So Christmas according to kids. Then I read a few letters to Santa Claus, and one little boy wrote, Dear Santa, you did not bring me anything good last year for Christmas. You did not bring me anything good the year before. This is your last chance. Signed, Ben. And then there was another letter that said, Dear Santa... There are three little boys who live at our house. There is Jacob, he is two. There is David, he is four. And there is Nathan, and he is seven. Jacob is pretty good most of the time. David is pretty good most of the time. But Nathan is good all of the time. I am Nathan. (laughs) So, Christmas according to kids. We're also going to look at Christmas according to Luke chapter 2 invite you to join me in Luke chapter 2. Turn in your Bibles or locate in your smartphone. And we're going to make five observations from Luke chapter 2 about the birth of Jesus. Is there one more light we can get overhead? Maybe or maybe not. Here we go. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So David, because he belonged to the house and line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. 
She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn, and Jesus was born. Fairly simple story. Um, The observation, number one, the birth of Jesus was surrounded by disheartening circumstances. You know, and sometimes we just think about, you know, it's a great story, it's cute, it's sweet, we see, uh, we see the nativity and we have these warm emotions, uh, it has a lot to do with past Christmases, uh, but the surroundings were pretty disheartening. Um, so what were the disheartening circumstances? I'm going to assume a little bit of knowledge here about the, what's happened here. They uh, were from a nation, Israel, that was once the greatest nation in the world during the time of David and Solomon, thousand years earlier. And Jesus would be a descendant of David. That's why um, they're required to go to Nazareth to register. uh, So um, Mary and Joseph were in this great nation uh, and... um, Rome is ruling the world. A superpower over this nation, Israel, and they are heavily taxed by Rome. That's the the setting when we start. And um, remember that tax collectors are one of the lowest uh, jobs in in the nation, Israel, at that time. You know, there was nothing much lower than tax collectors and sinners. And so tax collectors were um, Jewish men, usually, that that worked for the Romans. And um, hard to travel over 70 miles. I think we have a map here. Over 70 miles over rugged terrain to register for taxes, taxes that would be increased. Now, if you Google this today, to walk to from Nazareth to Bethlehem is 101 miles, at least one of the routes is. This would have been a two, a three, or maybe a four-day journey over very rugged terrain in the first century. Also, Mary was the end, at the end of her third trimester when they traveled to Bethlehem. Now, I don't know about you, I've been married a while and we've had three children, and so uh, I've had this experience of living with a woman who is nine months pregnant. And I don't think this would have been an enjoyable trip for Mary. Just That's all my, only, my own experience and what maybe I've observed also. Um, serious stigma with their friends, family, and neighbors. Um, if you were Mary's parents, what would you have said if she said, well, an angel appeared to me and I'm pregnant. I mean, seriously, what do you think? How would her family respond? She was probably a teenager. What do you think Joseph's family would have said? You know, there were probably people who believed them, uh, Mary and Joseph together, and believed their story. But a lot of people would have been very, very skeptical. What about the townspeople of Nazareth? What would they think? And so I just think there was a whole lot of doubt and skepticism and criticism around uh, Mary and Joseph's story. And also Mary and Joseph 
baby was born in an unsanitized little story, but they hauled it through it. Uh, they did not get to pick their OBGYN, or they didn't get to pick their midwife. They didn't get to pick whether the baby was going to be born at Mayo or at Sacred Heart or at home. They just didn't get that choice. Uh, but they got a stable with a cattle environment. One writer has uh, used the Holmes Raw stress scale to show Mary and Joseph's circumstances. And um, some of you may have heard of the Holmes Raw stress inventory, but uh, here are a few things. Marital separation. Mary and Joseph were legally engaged to be married, and that was more like uh, a marriage certificate. Uh, a divorce was required to break this off. It was a very big commitment in their culture. And I would guess there was a time period because uh, Joseph uh, learned that Mary was pregnant. And he wanted to divorce her, and, and God had to send an angel to change his mind. Uh, circumstances, life changes, add stress units. And stress units take a toll on us when we go through life change. For example, marital separation, they rated at 65 units. Getting married, which is a good thing. Positive things cause stress. Getting married, that's a big life change, 50 units. Marital reconciliation, 45. Pregnancy, 40. Adding a new family member, 39. That includes a new family member, whether it's uh, a child born, child adopted, family member moves in, um, change in financial status, 38. Joseph now has to um, provide for his entire family. Next slide. Uh, trouble with the in-laws, 29. You know, life wouldn't have been easy trying to explain to your parents what really happened. Activities. They didn't change in living conditions, change in working conditions, change in residence, change in church activities. They didn't have a church, but they had a synagogue. All of that was change when, when they got married and when they got married with the baby and uh, change in sleep habits. Any of you, had, you know, sleep eight hours a night with a brand new baby? Maybe once or something? Uh, minor violation of the law, 11. Guess what? This was not a minor violation. The Old Testament was really clear about um, having, uh, being pregnant without being uh, married first. And uh, there was a, possibility of a very serious breaking of the law. All I'm saying, uh, that would have caused some stress. Um, if you score this, according to the Holmes-Raw stress inventory, 150 points or 150 units, life changes. It means you're under low stress. You haven't had any real major life changes. 150 or above, uh, uh, puts a person in a place of a 50% chance that they might have some serious health issues um, in the next two years. When you go above 300 points, there's an 80% chance of a major health issue in the next two, year, two years. A major health issue could, it could be emotional, it could be something physical, uh, stress takes its toll. Mary and Joseph could have 
if we, we use this, four, this is 435 points. And I'm saying this was a difficult situation. This is very significant stress. And by the way, how about you? How much change have you gone through in the last year? Uh, good things bring stress. If you want to go to stress.org, some of you will probably... Uh, a death of a spouse is 100 units. Uh, divorce is 73. Death of a close family member, 63. Major personal injury or illness, 53. Uh, marriage, marital reconciliation is a lot of stress, 45. Major change in health of, or a family member, 44. And all I'm saying is significant things, significant changes um, put, put us under a lot of stress and it affects us very significantly. Second observation. The birth of Jesus was revealed to the humble and poor first. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. But the angel said to them, The Lord appeared to them, the glory of you, good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a... A baby wrapped in cloths and lying in the manger. So uh, what we see is that God picked shepherds to tell this good news to first. Of all the people in the world, he picked shepherds. And they were not uh, in the top of who's who uh, in Israel. They were necessary workers who lived out uh, just an inch above poverty line. For us, we would say they lived in below poverty, but in their culture, they were just slightly above the poverty line. And they were only valued for the work that they did. And uh, when you think about God chose these sort of uh, poor and humble people to tell this good news about what he was about to do and what he was doing. It, it's, uh, it reminded me of uh, Isaiah 61, verse 1. And Jesus quoted this verse when he got up and announced his public ministry in Luke chapter 4. And here's what he said. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because right at that minute when Jesus quoted this in Luke 4, he was saying, this passage is fulfilled in your presence. The spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. That was Jesus' mission. Proclaim good news to lowly people, to down and outers, to people in need, to people who knew they needed help. Um, Observation 3, Luke chapter 2, verse 10. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For all the people. What is the good news? The good news is that God was sending his son to save people from their sin. Uh, 
The good news is Jesus did save people from their sin. The good news is is that Jesus would set captives free. Um, And he is still setting captives free today. So um, if you just happen to be a sinner, he's still helping sinners deal with sin and setting them free from the power of sin. Um, Verse 11 says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah of the Lord. A Savior. The announcement was about a Savior. It was the same message in Matthew 1. Jesus would save Peter 23 that uh, the angel Gabriel gave to Joseph when Joseph uh, questioned whether he should take Mary as his wife. And the, the, angel, the angel announced to Joseph, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's what Christmas is really all about. God with us. God became a man. We call it the incarnation. Uh, The infinite, all-wise God of the universe humbled himself and limited himself to become a baby. Let that sink in. Um, And then that the birth of Jesus was God's news for all people, and that reminds us of all the people of the world. Every person in the world. And he knows every person individually and uniquely. Everything there is to know about us. He loved the world so that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that offer is still true today. God still loves you today, whoever you are. But he wants us to trust him. He wants us to believe what God has said about his son. Observation number four, the birth of Jesus displayed a very proud heavenly father. Did you ever think about that? The birth of Jesus displayed a very proud heavenly father. Um, You know, seeing your kid for the first time can be awkward for a dad. I don't know about most of you dads. I don't know if they know what to think. They don't have that that mother. That's it. Um, And this is it. And uh, God responded a little bit differently than some of the things that went through my mind. But the Heavenly Father went all out to make the announcement. Luke chapter 11, verses 13 and 14. I hope we have that passage. We don't? Okay. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. This is a pretty big deal. Um, God made this announcement with this great company of angels, a heavenly host. And they were praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest The Father made a big deal out of this. Jesus is important to the Father. 
uh, kind of observation, some clues here, how we might. of Jesus led to magnanimous worship. The birth, the birth announcement was first accompanied by an awesome light show um, back in Luke chapter 9. The glory of God. That's what it says in uh, the glory of God shown around. The glory of God. The Shekinah presence. God himself was present in the light in this uh, announcement. And uh, so... This great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel and, and they, this, this whole realm of angels were praising God. They were worshiping. And they said, glory to God in the highest heaven. Nothing higher than God. May, may God be honored in the highest heaven. And then as it relates to us on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. This was very, gave him praise and they gave him credit that was due him and they gave a blessing to men. We close the passage in verses 15 through 20. When the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, that's one of the reasons we think angels are in heaven because they went back to heaven here. The shepherds said to one another, remember, they're still in the story, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning him. Um, Luke would say, and Luke is the writer here, you remember, the, this is what a witness does. They tell the truth about who Jesus is. And what he has done. And that's exactly, they've heard, they've seen, and now they're going to spread the news. When they had seen them, they spread the word concerning what they'd been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed. And when the shepherds, what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And we come to the last verse, verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. Now the shepherds are worshipers too. They saw the angel. They heard the birth announcement. They saw the baby. And they heard the angel choir. And they get it. This baby is special. God does what he says. God's followed through on what he's promised. God is at work. And we believe these things. And they gave praise to God. One of the definitions of worship is worship is an active response to God whereby we declare his worth. It's an active response. It's engaging with God. It's mentally engaging. It's not passive. Um, God's life is infinite. We declare his worth valuable. And how do we talk about something that's infinitely valuable? Worship is when we thank him. And we thank him for our Christmas Eve meal tonight. That's worship. When we recognize that he's the one who's provided for us. How God has our health. And we thank him for our family. When we thank how God has provided for us. How God has cared for our family. That's worship. When when we attribute it to him. Uh, Worship is when we praise him in prayer. And in song. And we give credit to where credit is due. Worship is giving back to God 
financially. Uh, the Bible says this is a sacrifice well-pleasing to God when we give, when we offer our lives totally to him as a living sacrifice. This is an act of worship. When we tell him we love him, this is an act of worship. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is worship. Jesus commands, as, we, as you follow Jesus, one day at a time, that's a worship lifestyle. And we're going to express our worship now with song. And so I want to invite you to stand. We're going to close in prayer. And think about reading the Christmas story tomorrow, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we're grateful that you loved us so much that you would send your son. We're grateful that you have given us the details and told us how it happened. May we continue to be students of your word, to to observe, to apply, to appreciate us. May we respond to your gift of Christmas to us by reflecting what your son was like in our attitudes, in our actions. As we express our worship to you, as we express our love to you, may we follow through with our lifestyle choices day by day. May we trust you, may we depend on you, May we live for you, for Jesus' sake.